0: and welcome to Groovecast, the podcast for the rhythm section, with me Ashley Walker and me Charlie Smith. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something a little bit different, um, some of our own experiences with technology uh, in the music industry, and more specifically technology in a live music setting. Um, So we've kind of got a few different topics that we're going to talk about here, um, and I think it's a good place uh, to kick us off talking a little bit about playing with a click track and something that Charlie and myself have both experienced quite a, a bit of
1: yeah vast vast click experience especially over the past uh, few years as as we've both been kind of in the in the realm of backing artists backing acts that kind of thing mm. and yeah i mean clicks have always been kind of the studio standard probably since the 70s when they started to be used, but in a live scenario, I think it's probably of the past sort of 20, 30 odd years mm. that they've become more prevalent. I mean, I remember seeing stories of when The Who used to do Barbara O'Reilly, and it was literally a bloke with a tape machine at the side of the stage yeah. pressing on, hence why uh, Keith Moon would often have headphones gaffer taped to his head <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: for them to, with a half hope of um, them staying in place while he was wailing about, but things thankfully have moved much further on than that slightly now.
0: more advanced now ever slightly. slightly
1: more advanced but um yeah for, for both of us i think the, the route of clicks in the live scenario has been working with with backing tracks
0: yeah yeah um, so. i know we've sort of we were trying to think of ways to sort of talk about uh this subject click tracks and i thought we sort of Thought the best way would be sort of pros and cons and and some of our own experiences because we've certainly had some funny uh funny ones playing with the click and um did you want to kick us off with with uh, some of your pros and cons or would you like me to go? Yeah,
1: I'll I'll happily uh, kick us off a little bit. So I mean the main pro of of click tracks is that it you know it's a solid way of of keeping everyone in time. I think that's probably the the root of of their usage if if anything and also it, it allows the technical side of it to be a lot more advanced you can link uh clicks to rear screen projections or to patch changes keyboard changes even guitar patches or things it it has that kind of use and i know of different um different scenarios where they've had lighting control by click or mm. uh, sound even they've had the mixers all automated to click and it works for the most part which is why it's become sort of the industry standard for mm. that kind of thing
0: yeah yeah certainly on the bigger like um productions you can see like like you say it's like if it wasn't linked up it would be somebody having to cue lights and manually queue it which obviously isn't as um safe in some circumstances um i know uh, i was just gonna say one of my um sort of cons with this one thinking about you know our different experiences in fact the first time I'd ever played with a click which would have been a couple of years, five years ago or something now one of the first gigs I did which was a New Year's Eve gig and literally I think the first song of the set um, playing with the click and I'd got used to it and obviously my dad had sort of explained it to me and everything um, and I hadn't even considered the fact that somebody could, we could make a mistake and be totally come unstuck And, of course, I think the singer came in, like, a a bar early or a couple of bars early um, with the verse. And it just, at that point, because I'd had no experience with it, just thinking, oh, what's going to happen now then? Like, can we do something about this? And then, of course, the click got cut and we had to play live. And um, that was certainly not the best of starts to playing with a click. So all my sort of experiences since then, I've had that in the back of my head, playing with (laughs) one
1: yeah i mean there's always that risk especially if um whoever you're working with isn't used to working with clicks if they've just had them done or if they're just getting getting started with using them on the artist side of things it can be really tricky Mm -hmm. and I've, i've known artists who either i've worked with or people i know have worked with over the years and there's there's been some some pretty uh fraught disasters with clicks over the years. i mean i've no i've had artists put bars of 3 in now and again <laughs> where they just jump in a bit, a bit a beat early and you're sat looking at the bass player or the guitarist going right how are we going to get out of this one <laughs> um in that in a particular instance uh for an artist who shall remain nameless um it was it they they took a what should have been an 8 bar interlude uh guitar in thing where the whole band cut out and then joined back in. And they they brought uh, they did their guitar thing for six beats and brought the band in two beats early. Which we did, but I knew what was <laughs> what was up. Yeah. So I think there was a, a bar drum fill in the about a, a, a verse or so later in the song. And I just looked at the bass player and guitarist and went, watch me. And I played a six beat drum fill. To get us back onto the track which was one of those things where when you're doing it you think this is gonna this could go one of two ways it could either work and be brilliant or it could completely derail the entire thing yeah further but thankfully in in that instance because I'd had kind of a verse or so to while I was playing have a think of how it was how we could work through it yeah and look a little bit ahead on the chart and see what was coming I yeah it was one of those where you could kind of pre-plan it and just go just put your trust in yourself that you could rescue it because yeah. i think the thing with a click when you go off of it is as a drummer we've got the most chance of rescuing it mm. because if you if bass guitar or keyboards decide to play a chord early it could quite easily sound really wrong yeah if everyone else in the band doesn't instinctively go with them so whereas with a drummer you can just kind of do something and just as long as you make it obvious and direct you usually got half a chance of 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 rescuing it yeah and if not you you, you have to make that awful call and, and shout to cut the click
0: yeah and then you realize he's actually playing <laughs> no not really um <laughs> yeah i know um like another one of the things that we both sort of came to mind when um we we're thinking of like playing with clicks and Something I think about a lot is um, sort of, for me, it, it almost can limit what you can play. And obviously when um, you're playing live and without a click, and it, which is kind of predominantly what I do, it's like if you want to take an extra guitar solo or you need to drag something out because for whatever reason you haven't got enough songs or, or cut something, it's like it can all be very organic and, um, and like as a bass player or as a drummer or anything you can sort of fool around and like have little musical moments whereas when you're on a click you are almost glued i mean there are this isn't in every circumstance but in quite a lot of it especially when back in an act you're glued to your part and you've and glued to what you can play to obviously like you say work with the track and if you're the bass and you play a wrong note and it's like there's keys on the track or something um it is it can be more um obvious um (laughs)
1: But yeah you're right and the the other thing with having stuff on the track is that the minute you become out of sync with it by a, a beat or a bar everything shifts yeah so you're hearing backing vocals a bar late or a bar early in your ears and you're going yeah the audience probably aren't going to notice this but it's really really <laughs> one of those things that's going to grind your ears for the till the end of the song yeah you know, having to try and contend with with what's happening in your ears not matching up to what you're trying to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, one of the pros of it, and sort of when it's been something like a project I've been doing, and I've used the click. Is obviously the main pro is that um, if you've got a band or a gig and you need you haven't got enough songs or for whatever reason. I mean, we've. Um, there was a gig last year that was really thrown together and it was thrown we only had enough stuff because we had like parts for stuff but we didn't have all the instruments that could play the parts I think we didn't we didn't have a guitarist and we needed guitar so it's like okay well we have parts that match up to clicks so it's like you can get the clicks and get a guitar part if like for what a lot of what I've done where it's without a guitar and you're doing stuff like don't stop believing or footloose or those kind of things and it's um you know it it lets you play a wider variety of stuff which you know otherwise would hold you back but um yes i mean for me from my point of view i would and this is just my opinion and i know not a lot of well not everybody agrees but i would rather go and see a band and be watching everybody Everything that you're hearing, you're watching being played live and um, certainly like with my band and like, you know, because you played with us, it's like we play stuff like Blame On The Boogie and um, Ain't No Body, Shaka Khan and stuff, which you'd think, you know, would needs a keyboard or needs some brass or something. But we just managed to fill it out and, you know, none of the no audience members going to say, where was that keyboard bit in <laughs> Ain't Nobody" or or um, yeah. But you're right, and
1: the the thing with it is is, is is it boils down to if you need a click for something. So if you are using a big lightning rig, or you're using video screens, or any of that kind of thing, then it's it's kind of fair enough. But if for for definitely bands on 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 the pub circuit or doing the function stuff, I think quite often it just it limits it, it holds a band a bit further back than you would maybe want to because it it does. It can draw out some of the, some of the fun and some of the, the sort of the, the more uh, sponta- spontaneous moments that yeah. can come out of, of playing, in a setup, you know, mm. and it also means that, as far as, in a, in one way getting depths, if you're using clicks, can be a lot more tricky if there's no written parts. Yeah. And that's, so that's if...
0: one of the things that we were literally talking about just before recording this was gigs where, like the easiest gigs in some ways and, and the best to be asked to, to dep on or whatever, it, you know, when you have a click and your parts and it all matches up. But we know from experience that isn't always the case. Yeah, the, I've,
1: as as we've both known, you know, it's uh, there's some acts who have clicks and, and no dots. There's some acts that get, clicks from different places to where they get the dots so things you read through it and you go this doesn't match up which is why as much as I can if I'm being sent something like that I always try and have at least just a listen through and a read over the dots to make sure everything matches up vaguely to yeah. what's going on if I've got the time which of course not always isn't always possible sometimes yeah. it's just you, you just turn up to the the gig with with the parts you've maybe had a quick look through the parts but As far as the clicks, you just work it out when it happens, Mm. and and that's kind of it's something that I think only doing doing it and having the experience with it can teach you the little ways around and almost the second second guessing what's going on. Yeah, and I know we we, we'd say the same when we when we're just reading reading uh, music in general that you know what's on the page doesn't necessarily always mean what it looks like. Yeah and and some of it you have to read into a little bit more or you learn to ignore certain things mm. if you if you can see ahead and think that that whatever's written it either doesn't match won't match or isn't quite what would be best for the song yeah and i think we always when we do that kind of gig we're always walking the line between finding the the um the happy medium of what's on the page but also our own kind of musical knowledge and and experience that we've had to to make the the gig not only sound better and feel better in yeah a, in a groove sense
0: yeah i mean one of the best or one of my favorite gigs that i've done that was on click and uh, in ears which we're going to talk about a little bit later on was the gig that uh me and you did um, with our friend Ashley Squires in uh, bun leisure with uh, doing a Maroon Five tribute, and that was on Click and, and tracks. And I know one of the songs uh, we went off the the Click for it, but um, like that was one of the best in terms of we still grooved and and could sort of put our own things in it, and it and it worked. And um, but they're not they don't always work out like that. But that was one of yeah. the the good ones.
1: And and. Bringing it as sort of nicely onto that, you know, one of the things that you're inevitably dealing with when you've got a click is that you start to have in-ears brought into the mix. But um, if you'll pardon the pun, shortly, <laughs> yeah, uh, unintended, but thank you very much. Um, which we're going to talk about in a in a short while. But I mean, just one of those other things that we I, I fancied having a, a chat about while we were on this, and I don't know what your thoughts on it are. Is as far as click gigs go um it's sometimes for me better when not everyone has the click yeah i think it can sometimes be a much nicer gig if either just drums and md or just drums and bass has the click because the thing with giving everyone the click is that everyone wants to play straight on top of it
0: Mm.
1: you know uh and especially when it comes to guitarists and and keyboard players generally they want to be dead on top of the click whereas as a drummer and probably as a bass player too you you want to play with the click a little bit more you want to either be in front of it slightly if you want to drive you want to be behind it slightly if you want to have a bit more of a laid back uh, a bit of an easier feel or you can be a bit more on top of it for um, if that's what the song needs so it's it's one of those things where it's easier for me to find that place if no, if, if the rest of the band are following me rather than following the click, mm. which as a musician, you've got to kind of put a lot of trust in yourself to get to that point, but it usually is for the better of the, of the, the sound of the music and f- definitely when you want to, to really get a groove going, that if everyone can lock in with the drummer rather than locking in with the click, it can... Can be a lot better.
0: Yeah, certainly more musical. And it's funny actually you mentioned that because now thinking back on it, the first quite a few click gigs I did, I think only the drummer had the click and the MD, which put a lot of pressure on the drummer for some stuff. I think one of the the tracks we did was Locked Out of Heaven, and it's like obviously that track comes on the like the intro, the drummer has to bring Mm -hmm. it in, and he only he had very little time to get the tempo himself and then click everybody in which but like you say for the actual songs and once you're into it it is a bit more musical and you can lock in a bit more but the one of the other on the other side of that uh, also thinking back sort of more recently um back in acts there have been some questionable clicks we'll just say and um we all had the click and one of the problems was um my in-ear mix was sort of not great for for quite a while so i had to have a monitor with the track in and i only had the click in my ears so i had to have one ear out which is obviously not great for for your hearing for a kickoff but we, we're doing that and um we're doing i think it was like a sinatra medley or something and the, i mean some of these tracks were pretty bad but um towards the end of like this Sinatra medley, just the track just absolutely drowned the click out. So none of us could hear the click. And then the track just started slowing. There was like, like rows in the track and on the part. And then, then we realized the part didn't match up right towards the end the part got out of sync with the click. And um, we we're all just, I think we somehow we got through it, but, and then I had to put both ears in to see if I could get the click any louder. And obviously it wouldn't work because it was just the track drowning it out um but so that was one of the again one of the not so great sides of it but I think you're probably right in a lot of ways it is better for just the drummer to have the click um but then that sort of brings us on to another thing that we were thinking about which is does it help um sort of musicians with their time and keeping time do they, or did some in, in some instances people get a bit reliant on playing with a click all the time which I know you've you've uh played with some people where it it, it can be that that like that it, it can um and
1: i think what it is 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 it's just it depends where you're working if you're used to playing in the studio with a click or rehearsing to a click all of the time and if if all the work that you generally want to do or, or is is click based the minute that you take the click away can be for some musicians a little bit daunting because they're then having to rely on their internal clock and you know especially from a drummer point of view is I you know there's definitely some drummers who have become completely reliant on the click and you know and and won't work without it which is fair enough you know as long as the gigs that they're doing allow for that Mm. but as soon as you put someone in a situation with like a function band where there's no tracks or um even doing jazz it can be really really uh, jarring for someone who although they can keep time brilliantly when there's a click when there's no click they completely fall to pieces mm. and they you know that as a drummer definitely you feel like you're having to be relied on a lot more than maybe you you otherwise would with someone who can play without click and with click mm. much more comfortably um and it's never it's never a deal breaker as far as. working but it's just one of those things that it it does help to be aware of if someone's either uncomfortable working without a click or or on the opposite end if someone's inexperienced with working with clicks and then on a click gig and that can also be quite tricky yeah you know uh having someone who's not familiar with with clicks or hasn't done their homework put on a click gig really can be hard work just just try and hold it together and keep everyone on the same page
0: yeah yeah one of the other sides of it because i was thinking about this because yeah the obvious thing is obviously i mean you see these things of paul mccartney and um and those kind of old musicians that didn't have clicks in their days it wasn't an option and they said in a lot of ways it helped because you had like you say have had to have an internal clock and and know your tempos and Um, And in some ways it it helped from the sort of natural musicality side of it. And if whoever it was, Ringo Starr or, um, you know, whoever it was. um, Yeah, if they sped up, they'd all just go with it and it it gave the track a little boost. And um, I mean, it's like in this day and age, though, you're like obviously taught unless it's like written and you need to speed up, you know, you need to be solid. But um, one of the things I was thinking about is like obviously when you're practicing and I know people like Lawrence Cottle always says this and people it's like never you should if you're practicing just have a metronome going like if you're doing your scales or anything playing along to whatever it is a wolf or whoever and um if you're just practicing without playing along to an actual actual track like a Spotify thing or whatever and you're just playing yourself just have the metronome going just to keep yourself in time and so it's like metronomes and keep clicks and all that can be great for practice but like you say don't re- don't become too reliant on it when it comes to gigs and needing the click before every song to
1: and it's it's a good thing as well and certainly something that I recommend when I'm teaching um of when you're practicing with the metronome play with the metronome so set the metronome into eighth notes or half notes so that you're actually having to fill the gaps yourself I mean uh, With all the various metronome apps and things now that we have you can really program some wacky ideas I mean, I've I've been known to play with just beat one of the click playing So you get beat one and then nothing until beat one comes around again or even have a bar of click a bar of nothing Bar of click bar of silence back and forth and that can really help to to get your tempo in that you have to Keep yourself going and make sure that you come back on on beat one again every time and that's i think it's one of those things that in practice is often overlooked people will either just practice without a click or they'll just put a click on and play to it or a track on and play to it but Mm. when you get used to playing with and without it all at once i think it really helps to cement that internal clock as best as it can be and you also kind of will start to uh, recognize tempo and so you can when you when you're reading a chart and it says it's going to be at 90 you can have a rough guess of whereabouts 90 is going to be
0: yeah yeah it's a lot better than um when i first started playing and every tempo uh was sort of like okay work out where um staying alive is or uh, um hot stuff or i will survive your disco at 120. And then, okay, so how fast do you think 170 is? Well, it's a bit more than I will survive, so it's like... <laughs>
1: but that's that's the way to learn it. Yeah. You know, that's a, a way a lot of musicians uh, learn their tempos, which isn't necessarily a key part, because, I mean, you can dial the tempo up in 20 seconds, uh, but it's good just to have a rough idea and almost just be able to sit at the right tempo before you do it. So I mean on those sort of gigs that we were talking about where there's parts with no clicks, uh, if I'm depping for sure, I will always take a metronome with me mm. and have it on the music stand just so that before I count anything in, I can quickly reference quickly reference um, the, the tempo that's dictated or um, if I've made a note of the original track if there was no tempo given, you can just that can kind of just really help to put your mind at rest, especially when you're on stage and you've got the adrenaline going or, cause I don't know about you, but on stage I always doubt my tempo a lot more than <laughs> I really should. Yeah. I think especially after the, the 18 month break that uh, the pandemic that shall remain nameless brought, <laughs> um, a de- f- certainly on those first few gigs back, I was hyper analyzing more so than usual, my tempo just yeah. because it I'd, it had been that long since i'd had to sit on stage and rely on myself to keep the time
0: yeah yeah i know uh, and... i think um yeah i think a lot of people i know with my own band there was a lot of that sort of the adrenaline thing and we'd be playing live and then one of us would look at each other the drummer or me would be looking at each other and maybe say like just bring it down a little <laughs> or or bring it up and in some in some uh, cases but that kind of that's a kind of a good way to lead on to our next thing because playing with click often means playing with in ears, which is another um, side of the the live tech scene that we the tech scene in in the live setting. Um, and w- again, we've both sort of experienced this. I, I think you'd probably have more experience in um, in the types of in ears and and the pros certainly to it. So I wonder if uh, you want to yeah, I up? mean.
1: Innie is a, a, in a live scenario, tend to take physically one of three forms. You can kind of, you've got your you people who like to wear cans on stage, which uh, some people are just like that. And for the most part, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I know some, if you're going for a visual thing, they can be a little bit, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> not, not unsightly, but they're yeah. a little bit odd to look at <laughs> on stage, which... I I understand, and I know some people who who prefer not uh, to not have cans uh, for that reason. Uh, and then you have the the, the inias, which I mean I know you're uh, we both at, at different times used the universal inia monitors, the the ones you buy off the shelf. I think you're still using a rather nice pair of the of uh, Shure ones. And then you've got the custom molds, which is something personally I switched to about two and a half three years ago. Which was predominantly just through the necessity because I was using in so much, it made sense to invest in some nice molded in ears rather than some more expensive universal ones because the cost difference was was really nominal when I was looking through the options. So, in the end, I I went with with custom molds and and they have their own pros and cons. I mean, custom molds are great for, for isolation and, and for getting a seal, which for a drummer you tend to want, especially when you've got anything like click coming down where you really want to hear it and block out as much external noise as possible. They're really good. However, on the flip side of that, you do have the the lack of ambience. And, and you know, if you're talking on stage, it, it's just... Quite often you you're resorting to lip reading quite a lot of the time as much as you can yeah. if there's something happens because there's just no way of getting a message across. Which in certain scenarios, you know, theatre pits maybe you can look at having like talk back mics and things. But definitely when you're on stage, that's not so much an option. Yeah. As as I know you've you've had uh, some some experience with yourself having to shout within ears in. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I know. the The great thing about in ears and like you say, I've still uh, got my sure five three fives and um, my Fisher uh, in ear stick, which is kind of like you say. You've you do a lot more sort of um, in ear stuff and, and theatre work than I than I've done. Um, I got mine for the panto that I did a few years ago, and then like we said, the the whole situation that has unfolded over the last two years happened, and I didn't need them again for about eighteen months or something. But funny enough, talking about um cans and playing with cans, when we did go back, uh, during the the summer season that I did, it was in that period where you had to the volume had to be kept at a certain level because they didn't want people shouting and all that kind of thing. So we were all on headphones then because it was like I can't remember what the reason was, but it was to do with the volume and it was just like better to have uh cans for it and for that kind of thing i mean doing that and um, where we're all pl- wearing blacks and just the backing band it's like we might as well be cardboard you know things put up just uh, posters or something like of people because nobody's looking at us anyway <laughs> um but and i know i do know a couple of drummers as well that just prefer wearing cans i think maybe for the comfort and like like I say, they like me. They don't do enough stuff to justify um, the the in-ear molds, which is something that I definitely will be looking at in future because I know you've highly recommended that, and loads of people, you know, sing the praises of all that kind of thing. But like you like you alluded to there, for me, on the the cons side of it, is the communication problem, and because the only things, well, the majority of stuff that I do sort of where I would use an in-ears in are where I'm possibly fronting the band or at the front and having to tell people what the next song is or even though we have a rough set list and I mean you know yourself sometimes you have to read the audience and skip a song or like we've said before you know you might need to um cut a song out or add a song in or add an extra guitar solo and just to have everybody on in-ears in that scenario to make it's already not the best because you're having to shout across when an audience is talking and, and um, as quickly as possible to say what the next song is and having in an ears wouldn't help that situation unless like you said having a talkback mic which again on a stage on stage where you are having sort of an image not being the person at the back in your blacks or whatever and you're having to be at the front and be a front person as well. Wouldn't be the best having another mic there, <laughs> saying yeah, uh, yeah, Mr. Brightside, Mr. Brightside, it's Mr. Bright-
1: <laughs> but it, it is a, and, and the other thing with that, and I can't speak from experience here, but maybe you could uh, enlighten a little more. Um, is that I know of, and I've heard from some people that they find vocal pitching can be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. With with in ears in.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, from my side of it, and then also. I know we've another thing you mentioned before as well um, in private, and when we've been talking about this, is like horn players and and brass players and singers um, don't always love the in ears side of things because, like you say, it's harder to pitch, especially with a brass player or a horn player when you are taught to have perfect pitch and hear, you know, with your own ears, it's not as easy Um, and you're used to hearing the sound like not be as close to your ears because you're blowing away from yourself and then having it come back in your ears can be a little bit disconcerting to start with but um i know singers who have struggled with the in-ears thing and quite a few of them do the thing of keeping one out which again isn't isn't great for your actual hearing I, i know from sound guys who have said that's really not good for you to do that um but and then some you know work better with in ears some can't work without them now because they're used to not having to push themselves as hard because it's like especially because they're like you have the the molds and have the whole thing so it's like a nice warm rounded sound which is great so they're not pushing themselves as hard to like hear themselves which they might be doing if they're using monitors for instance or um, yeah
1: i mean the other big plus to in ears or at least for the w- w- when I've used them has been um, stage volume, mm. um, and the kind of the push that came to shove when I when I bought my moulds was was really that at the time you know doing the the, the theatre stuff um, in in the backing band you know but um, where I was sat playing percussion I had a really really loud guitar amp in front of me yeah so it's. You know, it's one of those things that the stage volume can quite quickly become really, uh, really difficult. Yeah. And if you can get a decent monitor mix from night to night, which um, we'll dip into in a second, um, it it can make that a lot easier. And especially if I'm playing percussion, which is gen- tends to be a little bit quieter than smacking drums for a living, it's it can be a lot harder to to hear what you're actually doing. Yeah. So the minute that you start hitting a conga or something, or a triangle, when you've got a loud guitar in front of you and drums just to the to the right, it can really get lost very quickly, which yeah. is why they make it all up. But having that come back in your ears a little bit can really help. But funnily enough, I've actually stopped using the ears on that gig since we kind of got back going after the, the pandemic and stuff. And prob- I don't know whether or not it's having used them so much last year on other gigs, I haven't missed them that much. Um, mm. I mean I still put hearing protection in, just for that same thing with, with you know, having a, a loud amps or drums right next to you. But using attenuated earplugs has actually been nicer because you do get a bit more of the live feel and you can hear the audience, you can hear the the rest of the band, you can and I've actually found that since I've done that, my monitor mix has actually been a lot different to what it was with the innias so my innia mix was much more of everything yeah you know i had a, a lot of everyone in whereas now when i when i'm speaking to a sound engineer and getting the mix right in the wedge it'll just be maybe a bit of bass drum a bit of myself a bit of keyboards a bit of vocals you know i tend not to need guitar or bass because i can feel or hear them acoustically yeah and most of the drums i can hear easy easily enough and sometimes even the vocals I can hear quite a lot through the front monitors Mm. so I don't necessarily need a lot of vocals through myself so it's one of those things it's you need a much more complete mix with in ears and you're a lot more reliant on it and having a bad in ear mix as we both (laughs) are going to discuss now can really make a gig um easy or or really difficult yeah so you know the the mix is so such a key part which if you're working with the same people every every night is very easy to get right yeah because you can either have it preset in the desk or they know what you want to hear mm. but as soon as you start working with different sound engineers or different sound technicians every night that can be a lot a lot more difficult
0: mm. yeah i mean um i've been quite fortunate and it's probably um just sort of because i haven't used them as much as you but there haven't been too many things where i've had a dreadful mix i mean i've just cut doing the the season that i've just done and, and doing a few with that like i alluded to earlier when um well didn't allude to i just said it that <laughs> um that i had to have a monitor with the tracking because there was a problem with my bass and my ears and that problem never got solved. So th- for the whole year, I had never had any bass in my ears. The only bass I had was through my amp, which is fine. And I, in a lot of ways, do prefer using that. But um, like we're lucky, and I'm very lucky to have worked quite a bit with our mutual friend, James Groves, which we'll give a shout-out to, James. Um, <laughs> if he's listening. If he's listening, which he's probably not. Um, <laughs> but, he better be, <laughs> after this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like doing gigs with him and um and like you good sound guys where you know you can have your own monitor mix, which we've talked a lot about, and like on your phone or have your own little um, mixer, like like I know a lot of drummers tend to have now, um and being in control of your own sound can just make gigs an absolute joy, just lovely, um and like I say the gigs where, for me personally, not having to, to communicate because um you've got your click possibly or you're playing live and you've got your set you're not going to deviate you're just going to play through it and and get the gig and uh, do the gig and just bosh and get home and it's like yeah you can um those types of things are great but i i know you've and like the gig we said that we both did um where we had a designated person doing our mix for us again was fantastic i was gonna say
1: um it does make a huge difference if you haven't got the facility for using for mixing it yourself by apps on your phone or personal monitor mixers or anything like that having a dedicated monitor engineer at the side of the stage can be the best workaround and and it just means that if you do need anything changed on the fly it can be done straight away you're not having to give obscure hand signals to a man at the back (laughs) of the room or you know vocal down vocal down um (laughs) but um have you had any experiences in that (laughs) let me think there have been a few times where i where i've been trying to play and signal to someone uh that's that's always interesting when you're using both hands to play whatever you're doing and you're also trying to point a stick and go them down or up Uh, and hope that the sound engineer who's lurking in the dark at the back of the room is seeing what you're doing so that can be interesting sometimes (laughs) but um but yeah definitely having someone who can edit mixes or you know who can change things at the side of the stage or even just on hand um for the whole gig it does make it a lot easier because it means that if there is anything that goes down it's attended too quickly mm. and uh this quite nicely leads on to a a little tale of uh of <laughs> from, from last year uh, where I was on a gig um and it was a very very click-reliant gig um with a Bruno Mars tribute uh which in the end turned out to be a very good gig I'll preface it with that <laughs> however um the first tune of the night as we were as we started I got two clicks in my ear and then it cut completely. And the the, the level of my in-ears dropped to almost unhearable. Oh. So I was trying to play through the first, the first couple of tracks of the night with absolutely no reference whatsoever. And, I mean, the bass player on that gig quickly twigged something was up because, of course, he could hear me starting to drift out of time a little bit through not hearing clicks. So I kind of locked onto him. and and we've tried to get a message to the 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 sound text to to try and fix the problem which we later realized uh, i later worked out was the ground on the xlr feed uh from the snake to my in-ear amp had gone it had gone dead so it was the signal wasn't being boosted uh through to the to line level so even though i had my in-ear amp then on full by that point, I still couldn't hear anything. <laughs> so in the end, um, me and the bass player very graciously he let, he swapped uh, in ear feeds with me so that I could hear the click, and he'd just have to deal with what I'm going to loosely call my mix, <laughs> um, <laughs> which should have just been click vocals and and track, but was just click vocals and track on hardly anything so which was which he was very gracious and we we, we managed to swap it around and, and make it work um it, i mean the start of uh, runaway baby as i'm sure you can imagine was quite interesting that being a bass intro um with one bar click into it so that was fun but we, we we made the gig work and um and and we got through it in the end but it was just one of those things that couldn't be helped you know there was there wasn't a tech handy side stage to to fix the problem immediately which would have been nice but it's just not something you can have in every venue all of the time but the gig came out okay and I wouldn't have thought anyone in the audience would have noticed what was (laughs) happening on stage and the the the, uh the discomfort and panic that was going on (laughs) uh certainly from from my point of view but it's it always makes a difference when you have a good act who knows their stuff because it meant that we didn't have to worry about the singer, didn't have to worry about anything like that because they knew their show inside out. And um, it meant that as much as we can, we could just get on with it as best we could as we were sorting things out. And we'd know that what was going on at the front of the stage was was in safe hands, yeah. <laughs> which isn't always the case. If, you know, if vocalists aren't familiar with the tracks enough or they're trying new tracks that they aren't, 100% sure of the arrangements, it can make the gig even more difficult because you're then having to dictate where things are, you know, and and try and show as a drummer where the verse is going to start or where you're going to come in. You know, I've had acts turn around to me in the intro going, where do I come in? And I'm thinking, uh okay (laughs) i'm gonna point it to you but you've got one shot yeah because you know if it's a if it's an eight bar intro or whatever and they turn around at bar seven and go where do i come in again there's not a lot of reaction time to try and point them in the right direction and and especially if you're not familiar with the song you're playing you know if it's if it's with a tribute act and it's one of the deeper cuts it can be quite a um quite a panic
0: moment (laughs) And I know yeah, um, the the uh one of the well the sort of the other uh, topic we were thinking of with like the tech um the tech thing on live gigs was something that you've experienced more recently and something that I've had to deal with as well is electric drums and also sort of silent pits as well.
1: Yeah, so silent theatre <coughs> pits, which for those who aren't familiar with them, it's basically where there's no live volume going on, so the drums are electric, the the guitar and bass are all going either through um, amp simulators or uh, preamps and or and DI's, so there's no live cabinets going on, um, and the keyboards again are going DI, so the it basically means that you you you're in a pit a, a theater pit situation or a band situation where all of the volume is either going out of the front of the house or down to to in ears or, or cans. Which, um, was my experience with the the panto i've I've not long finished, and I know Ash you had very similar experience with your panto, and I think it's one of those things where it's usually done for the right reasons, especially on the electric drums thing where they want to keep the volume down and and especially if they're putting the band as was the case with me, uh on the balcony or out in the out in the theater where they haven't really got provision to put a drum booth or or screens around it makes sense but i think when it comes to working with it it can be really difficult and i mean just briefly with with some of my experience with that um getting the 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 ear mixes right was kind of key and 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 it took a bit of um bedding in in the end just to try and nail things down especially when you've got a five uh, four piece band tracks and probably upwards of 15 people on stage all mic'd up um and you know you want the principal cast down down your ear feed as well and you want the the track so that you can hear what's going on and and the thing that you don't have which you would have in a in an otherwise uh live situation is you've got no ambient noise so you can't rely on hearing the guitarist amp or the bass player's amp or even what you're doing yourself
0: yeah <laughs> yeah it's obviously the positive side of it and you can understand as well I mean with sort of pantomimes it's a lot of them are going that way now just uh, because of the way that's the way it's set up now but you can understand for sound technicians why they would want a silent pit you know you've got no worry of uh, the sound bleeding from the drums or an amp going into a mic or or anything Um, and in a lot of ways I mean we've both uh, talked about what it's like playing with an electric drum kit and um it being harder to certainly for a bass player and for for you as a drummer to sort of groove and and lock in with a electric kit and because obviously you're not going to be able to drive it on as you would with an acoustic kit and that that natural um power that you get from that you you don't get that with uh, an electric drum kit um but Playing sort of with an acoustic kit and an electric pad can be really fun and um, like getting having different sounds and I really like that old gated sound that you can get off of like a drum pad when you're doing maybe a Whitney yeah. Houston thing or a...
1: I think definitely hybrid drum kits of the last few years have been have been great. It's something I've done uh, not so much recently but I have done in the past on theatre things incorporating a couple of pads or having um multi-pads next to me with percussion sounds or sounds that you just can't replicate without carting big timpani or things around with you and it gives you so much um scope to to play and, and add texture um and also in in the same way using something like that you aren't too heavily reliant on it so if something happened if the mix wasn't right with the hybrid kit, or the if one of the pads went down, or the module didn't want to play ball, it isn't the end of the world because yeah. you've still got old faithful acoustic drums <laughs> to to dig you out of the hole a little bit. And it's actually interesting. Something that I've kind of done a little bit more lately has been trying to find electronic sounds within the acoustic drums. So without having to rely on electronics, how can you make a, a passable hand clap? sound using a snare drum or how can you get uh you know some sort of reverse cymbal effect using the hi-hats and that can be quite quite interesting too um as a way to incorporate those sounds without the electronics and the fiddle that comes with them um of setting them up and getting everything balanced and having to talk uh use di boxes and things but in as you say with with silent pits it's so hard to get a groove going and certainly speaking to some of the guys in the band when i was doing the panto um you know if the mix in their in-ears wasn't right at at any time and i think for for all of that just for the ambience we all used cans just so we could hear a little bit of the stage volume and the sound effects or anything that wasn't coming down our down our in-ears we we all wore cans just so we could get a little bit of ambience going Mm. um And I know from speaking to a couple of the guys in the band that they said they were relying on my right foot hitting the pad, so the sound of the pad being hit rather than actually what sound was was coming out of it, because a lot of it, with that as well, you you get a slight delay between hitting the pad and especially between hitting it and it coming out of front of house, not so much in the in-ears, but by the time it reached the front of house, it was there was, you know, a noticeable delay, um, which could be really tricky. Yeah. especially if you know if the mds took the it took his headphones off for for a certain tune that you've got to kind of keep it sit sitting right and almost for me following him for tempo rather than vice versa because otherwise it would just what i was doing would just get a little bit lost um so it's it's one of those things that you you takes a little bit of getting used to and it certainly for me isn't my favorite way to work it's 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 doable and it's it's good to do now and again, but it can make what would it be an otherwise simple gig quite difficult. And also on the panto thing with having not only the the electric kit, I then had live chimes, triangle, whistles, and things, which of course then had to be miked up anyway. And we we <laughs> I know the sound sound guys encountered problems of on that live percussion mic hearing the sound of me hitting. The mesh pads through or the rubber symbols and and also it meant that as soon as I picked a whistle up or the chimes or whatever they although they were coming out of the front of house you could also hear directly where they were coming from acoustically just in the in the theater because it wasn't the, the, uh, the largest of theaters in the world so you could quite easily pinpoint with just where you were that there were the chimes were coming from up there yeah. or for, rather than from just through the speakers so it was kind of different um in that respect but it's one of those things you know we, we make it work and we make it we make the best of it for um for the gig and, and try and make everything and everyone as happy as possible with with what we do
0: yeah well said and i think that's just about brings us round to the end of this edition of Groovecast
1: indeed it does um and yeah it's been good to, to have a chat about some of the the more um technological sides of uh of gigs and kind of the things that you don't really think of um in terms of what we do
0: yeah and if anybody has uh, an opinion of their own or any experiences you go ahead and um tag us do the hashtags you know all of that Charlie <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: so if you want to get in touch you can find us at Groovecast UK on both Facebook and on Instagram too you can find my website and everything uh, at charliesmithdrummer.com and of course uh, feel free to, to drop the, the Groovecast page as a message if you want to have a chat or um, or uh, yeah as Ashley said share a, share some experience or share a little story we're always uh, happy to read Read what you have to say, and and hear what you hear what you think of uh, of what we do.
0: Yeah. Well, until uh, next time, we'll see you on Groovecast.